When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to Unapologetic. I'm Will Poznan. I'm joined by my co-host, Las Vegas Aces Center, Kia Stokes. Hello, hello. And I'm going to start by telling Kia uh, what happened to me yesterday. Nothing to do with basketball, but this is crazy. So, and it's kind of funny. So hopefully people enjoy this. Um, so I'm in northern New Jersey, right outside of New York City. That's where I live. And uh, we are having our elections right now. Like, I think Tuesday is the big election. So the mayor of our city was supposed to come come speak at our apartment building uh, and everybody in the building was like excited about it. They were ready to to give him their questions, talk about what needs to be done for our community. And as he was en route, the building behind us fell over. Uh, it's just an old building. Weather was a little bit rainy. The building behind us falls over and he just reroutes his limo and sends a deputy to come speak on his behalf. Like he sends somebody from his staff, like, hey, you take these angry people who just had the building behind them fall over like a debris cloud still over our building, literally 30 minutes before he was supposed to get there. And she gets there and she wants to just hold the conference, like as it was like, this is why you should vote for this guy. And everybody's like, can you call somebody about the debris cloud hovering above our building? Like the fire department's, you're here. The fire department still hasn't taken our call, let alone let alone been like, oh, we'll be on our way. Like the fire department hasn't picked up the phone on us. Maybe get on. Oh, my this. God. I know. Pretty crazy. That's story. Awful. Nothing to do with basketball. Was but okay, yeah, if uh, oh, the tone of the story would be so different if there was an injury involved. Everyone's oh fine. <laughs> Hence the comedic value of the story. But uh, still. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. That's awful. Uh, that's this awful. whole, I feel like that's a little bit of a microcosm for this whole election season in America right now. People are like, oh, wait, man. so we're going to have an, and we'll get to that quickly later in the podcast. We're going to talk about some basketball now, but uh, yeah, crazy time, crazy times. Man, that sounds awful. I'd be freaking out. Not even going to lie. Yeah, they thought it was an earthquake. Like people were like, "Oh, we thought it was an earthquake, but it was just." Then we realized it was just us. Like there was no earthquake down the street. It was just this just one us. block radius of earthquake, and then the building. And it was just you know, it was an old building that. Uh, I think there's a lesson there about hey, if you don't fix stuff up, if you don't deal with stuff proactively, it'll crumble. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> So uh, let's let's talk about the East. Um, the big story, I think the biggest story in the East right now is Joel Embiid sits out the first two games of the series with the Heat. They look way worse than the Heat. Then he plays last night, and they look a good deal better than the Heat. So wh- what do you make of that? Um, well, obviously he's a great player, um, and he's definitely needed for their team. But I think the Heat is still going to win. I don't think. 
I don't think the Sixers got enough to to win this series. Interesting. So that's like that's there's like two schools of thought. I think the first one is like, oh, this is how impactful Embiid is. The Sixers got this in the bag, and then the other one is is Embiid rested. You know, he was off for two games while everybody everybody else was playing intense playoff basketball. He's not going to be able to just bring this energy. Like it's just impossible to ask this much of him moving forward. And the Heat are going to bounce back, and and people feel like they had an off night. I mean, yeah, I would say it was more of an off night. And they just played two games without him. So I would give them one game for adjustments now that he's back in the rotation. And I think that they'll be fine. I mean, they're a great team. They play a lot of great they play a lot of great team basketball. Uh, so yeah, they'd have their little their little warm-up game with MV back in the lineup and now they'll get it together. And I think um maybe it'll go to six games, but I don't know. I can see the the heat just one of the next two. I'm kind of leaning the other way. So on the adjustment side, I I mean, the Heat probably have the best coach in basketball, and I could totally see the adjustments happening. But on the Sixers side, just their defense with Embiid to without Embiid, it's the best argument for coaching not mattering in basketball. <laughs> You're just like, okay, so they got scheme, blah, blah, blah. But literally their defense is it's just not effective without Embiid and is – maybe the best in the NBA with him. And it's it's really just him standing there. Like I saw, I mean, they were showing the highlight reel of the miss miss shots by Heat players. And mm-hmm. they're all they're all just shooting like anytime they're near the rim, they're just shooting like their face is like this is an unnatural exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's what's that feel like to go like shooting against an elite de- defensive center versus just a normal center how how does that feel i mean it's tough i I think it's funny because in college our assistant or associate head coach cd uh whenever we played baylor and at the time Brittany griner was playing for baylor so she would literally come out as we're just doing like mic and drill or just any post up she would take a broom and hold it up (laughs) and at first she's just like what is this like well this is not going to help us but it's she just trying to emphasize like she's taller than you think and she her arms are a lot longer than you think so you got to try to either you know go around her or try to shoot up over her which is pretty tough um but yeah we had to work on that so it is it is kind of a mind game because even if mb doesn't come over to block the shot he's definitely altering it because they think oh he's coming he might block it so i mean it happens to me i'm a defender and shot blocker as well so i kind of see people you know taking more floaters or stopping early or just kind of hoping to get fouled and then they don't call it so i can yeah it's a little do you practice? Do you practice like when you're doing shoot offensive drills? Do you go, this is what it this is practice for when I'm going against a mediocre defensive center? And then now let's practice when somebody like BG is guarding me. Like now let's practice shooting unnaturally, shooting over high arcing. Like you see point guards now, they have they all have the floater with the unrealistically high arc for when they're going against the elite defensive center. But some sometimes like with watching Bam Adebayo, he's shooting it and he's like, this is how I've trained to shoot it. And I know that the way I shoot and beat is going to block this or alter this. Yeah. I mean, it's, you do have to work on it, but a lot of it has just dealing with touch around the rim. So as you're working on, you know, the super high floaters or different, 
you know, step throughs and finishes. It's just a way to get more touch on the ball. And that way, when you happen to go against someone who's taller, you maybe have to shoot it higher. It's still more natural. It's not like, okay, I'm going in there. I got to make sure that when I get there, I got to lay it high off the glass. It's more like you become more natural as you practice it more. So that's kind of more instinct. I mean, I'm saying this like I do this all the time, <laughs> which I don't. But <laughs> ideally, that would that would be the case. It kind of just you just get more comfortable with different situations because even if someone's a mediocre defender, if they're still tall, you still kind of have to, you know, alter your shot or try to find a way to go around them. Maybe more footwork, more pivots, or trying to finish on the other side of the rim so that they can't block it. Uh, just you know, it's just different things. I think it's all a part of the game. Do you uh, do you ever have a coach or yeah, like a coach or an assistant coach? Do they ever give you the thing of, hey, this person's a shot blocker, pump fake, and then go up? Because I could see, you know, sometimes you see people on the internet, they're like, just try to get Embiid off the ground. And it's like, well, in your scenario, you have Embiid landing on you. Like, yeah, you go to the line for two shots, but you're also going to the hospital before that. Like, what's the human element of that, of like, I'm not going to pump fake and have this giant land on me? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just got to deal with it. I mean, for the most part, there's, okay, every now and then you'll get a good pump fake where they end up jumping over you and, like, landing on you. And, you know, of course you don't want that to happen. But as if you're a good defender, yeah, you might jump, but you're really not going to jump and, like, fall on them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you'll jump. And then if you're kind of coming down and they jump into you, okay, it's a foul. But, like, how many times is it someone's pump faking and then the guy just jumps and, like, lands on her back? Like, maybe – five sure. times a season, I feel like. So it's not that big of a thing. I think you just kind of get ready for the contact. I mean, they're all grown men playing in the NBA. Like, they're, they're all grown men, <laughs> but the Heat are one of the toughest teams in the NBA, and you see people visibly scared of Joel Embiid on the close-up. Like, when they're driving in, even somebody like Jimmy Butler, who's fearless, it's like he doesn't want even a left arm to come down on his shoulder. Like, that's like a baseball bat. I mean – yeah, of course you don't you don't want it. I mean it's just a risk you take when you're driving into the paint and going against some trees. I mean, this is a risk. So if you don't wanna if you don't wanna deal with that, stay on the perimeter. Uh but if you wanna take the chance, you gotta be a little crafty, get uh ready to get hit. Maybe I don't ever wanna say expect to be fouled because I think I hate when people just go in and throw their body and try to get a foul. I absolutely hate it. Um but I mean if you're going in there, you gotta be just ready for some contact and just try to finish it you know, the best that you can. It is hard. Embiid is very good at altering shots, blocking shots. He's a big guy. So, uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the other series might be even more physical. It's crazy. The Sixers, the East right now, especially at the top, it's like the hyper-physical teams, and the West is all hyper-finesse and teams that are just methodical about creating open shots and stuff. But So let's move to – the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, what what are your thoughts so far on that series? Um, it's one one, right? Yep. Um, I don't know. I still think my Bucks are they're gonna pull it together. Uh, still dealing with kind of injuries is a big a big thing for them. But I don't know. Maybe I just don't want the Celtics to win. I don't like, either. I just I don't know why. I mean, I do know, but I just feel like they're still trying to. Uh, pull it together, you know, like I said, dealing with the injuries, it's kind of tough. And I don't know, hopefully that they can, hopefully they can pull it together. I think uh, there's just a human thing of, we all know Giannis's story and the Celtics, even though they have these cool stories on the team, they're still billed as the Celtics, like the classic Celtics. 
And there's also just, there's just a thing of like, I mean, and we can, we will actually get to this after we stop talking about the East, but it feels like America is going through all the same problems of 30 years ago. And it's just like, okay, we don't want to see the Celtics right now. It's almost like the Celtics uh, are co-branded with the Supreme Court. Like they're too much of an American oh, no. staple where it's just like, let's get them out of here. Like, can we get an expansion team? Can we get like a, I don't know, a, a Vegas team? Can we just change the Celtics brand for right now? Or even just change the mascot. Like the way the the way that the Washington <laughs> football team is now the Washington Commanders. Can we call the Celtics like, I don't know, the Boston College kids or something? Like just something with a different vibe. So that, like, I don't want to think about Havlicek and Kuzi right now as America's going through this, you know? Um, yeah, I never thought of it like that, but I kind of get it. Like, I do kind of get it. Well, They're too classic. It's like, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. It's not the player's fault, and it's not the coach's fault. It's really the logo. Right. The logo looks like... So you want like, to lose because you don't like the logo. Dude, I, I guarantee you, if you talk to that logo, within the first 10 minutes of the conversation, he's like, in my day, gum only cost a nickel. And you're like, ugh. Oh, I, there's nobody <laughs> I want to talk to who's telling me that about chewing gum in the first opening of the conversation. So do you think the Celtics have a chance to win the series? Or do you think yes. the Bucks are going to hold it down? So uh. here's why. It's really like, It's really like the Michael Jordan thing of when your shooting guard dominates their matchup on both sides. And this, and that's the other wrinkle too, where it's like the Bucks don't have Chris Middleton. And so watching Tatum dominate that matchup is just a little bit less interesting than it would be if he was dominating defensively on Middleton. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's the Dwayne Wade thing too. Like I said, Michael Jordan, but Dwayne Wade, same thing, especially before LeBron got there. That's how the heat would win. Dwayne Wade would score 35 and the other shooting guard would score 11 on terrible shooting. And mm-hmm. when your shooting guard dominates their matchup, it I think it's the most effective of anybody at a various position dominating their matchup. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily agree. I feel like anytime you have a dominant player who's going to be – like I don't think it matters what position. Well, you just picked the heat – and Embiid is going to dominate that matchup for the rest of the series. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, but, look, the MVP, it's funny because, like, right now the MVPs are all bigs for the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid are the top three of most people's MVPs. But if you look at the teams people are picking in the finals, it's the Warriors, Suns, Grizzlies, and the Bucks. But I don't – I mean – Three of those teams are point guard led. I mean, yeah, the point guard got the ball in their hand all the time, or most of the time. So if you don't have good guards, you can't have a great team. Like you can have a dominant post player, but if they can't get the ball, then that's different. But I don't know. Just I don't know. It is weird because all these teams, they have so many great players now. Like watching Sixers Heat, it's like Tyrese Maxey is a great player. Like he's above a good player. Like if to, if Tobias Harris is like the line, like the Mason Dixon line between good and great, Tyrese Maxey's a little bit better than Tobias Harris. So I guess he's a great player. Drew Holiday is a great player. Like all these teams have a good big and a good guard, but it's just weird. Like when 
when Booker dominates his matchup or Luca or Tatum, those teams are impossible to beat, even no, no matter what happens at the other positions. I think it's because every team in the NBA counts on their shooting guard for so much scoring that mm-hmm. if you hold your shooting guard, the other team's shooting guard to other 15, under 15, and you go off, that's a huge discrepancy. But it's like the Bucks aren't counting on Brooke Lopez for a ton of scoring. The Suns can win if Aiden doesn't score. Draymond doesn't score. Um, Steven That's Adams true. doesn't yeah. score. So it's just – it's kind of that discrepancy where it's like a big can dominate their matchup on one side of the ball. And and that's maybe the other difference is the elite bigs, I mean, they dominate the other team's defense. Like the other – they like a big guards the whole other team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does guard the opposing center. So maybe that's not the best example. But <laughs> the shooting guard – dominates their one-on-one matchup and that's kind of like a it's just a huge thing to overcome for the other team i mean that's valid when you put it like that i could i could see how that see how it works but like a point guard cannot score like drew cannot score and the bucks can find points other places they can hit threes other things but like when you're a shooting guard i'm i'm trying to think of a team left in the playoffs that cannot get points from their shooting guard. And I mean, the Grizzlies were the closest. They had Jaw score. Jaw scored 47 because mm-hmm. Desmond Bain had a concussion. And uh, and they were still able to win. But that's the only team that's really won a game when their shooting guard had an off night scoring. Yeah. I mean, that's true. A lot, a lot of the. Well, a lot of great teams have great guards. I mean, that's not a secret, especially in the way the, the game is going today. So when you put it like that, I guess you would say if they dominate their matchup, then okay, whatever. You get a little point. <laughs> <laughs> and and all these teams have great centers too. Like of the teams that are left, I mean, Robert Williams is probably, he has like the smallest resume of the centers that are left. And he's still, I mean, he's so important to that team. So mm-hmm. it, it is kind of crazy, like, once you get to this level of the playoffs, it's like every player on every team, some other team would trade a max level guy for them. Like, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a, okay. So if you go to Orlando, like Orlando has Gary Harris near the mat, like at 22 million a year. And they would trade Gary Harris for Damn. every starter left in the playoffs. Yeah. Why would they not? Like Tyrese Maxey's making three million a year. They would do Gary Harris for Tyrese Maxey in a heartbeat. Same thing with like, um, I don't who's a so who are the starters for the Warriors? You got Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole's on the bench. Then they got Wiggins, and who's the fourth? And Draymond, but who's that fourth? Who's their starting power forward right um, now? You would know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, Otto Porter's coming off the bench for the Warriors. He's, like, their seventh or eighth guy. Gary Harris for Otto Porter is not that uneven. And it's, like, that's just, yeah, there's – you need so much depth at this level and so much star power. It's kind of crazy how – it's just crazy how talented the NBA is. I was thinking about um, when I was a kid, like, Alonzo Mourning was, like, the third best center in the NBA. He was one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. And if you go through the center position – in the NBA right now, like Lonzo Mourning's like seventh or eight. he'd be seventh or eighth today. And it's like that at almost every position. Like Alan Houston was one of the best shooting guards when I was a kid. Like 
Allen Houston's not as good as Bradley Beal. He's not as good as CJ McCollum. Like you, you got to go so far down at every position. Once you talk about like for the third or fourth best guy of back then. I mean, yeah, that's just how the game is evolving. You know, people, careers are lasting longer. Players are starting younger. I feel like that's expected. Like as the game continues to grow and players and technology and nutrition and everything gets better over the years, I feel like that's just natural. People are becoming better sooner, lasting longer. They're in a gym. You got like kindergartners doing all these crazy ball handling drills that we would never even think of. It's just, that's a tale of our times. You know, people just getting older without actually getting older. They're acting older, I should say. No, but that's the crazy drills thing. You know how one big thing for old heads now is to be like, these kids, they're trying to shoot the deep three. They need to stop. And everybody's like, this is a bad shot. Just because Steph or Trey Young shoots it, it's a bad shot. But the, the part of the equation people don't factor in is in six or seven years, there's going to be a kid who's better than Steph because they were doing all this. Like Steph is the best shooter of all time right now. But right now there's a middle schooler or a high schooler who's going to pass him. And it's going to be like two or three. It's, I mean, that's how these things go. And that's the best argument for LeBron over Michael Jordan that nobody says because it makes people uncomfortable to say is like, LeBron's just playing in a much more talented league than Michael Jordan did. Like to me, the the best player Michael Jordan never played against in their prime was Hakeem. And after that was Scotty, who was his teammate. his teammate. And I don't think that Scotty is as good as Kawhi. I don't think he's as good as KD. I mean, you could do the same thing we just did at center with Alonzo Mourning with Scotty. And it's like Scotty was the third best player in the NBA. And there might be four forwards better than him right now. Yeah, it's actually really crazy. Like I said, it's just evolving game, people getting better. The only thing I don't like about kids doing all this crazy stuff when they're young is that if they're forgetting the fundamentals, then I'll be like, you doing all this for what? But if you're doing <laughs> everything the right way and actually advancing, then I say all, I'm all for it because I think that's how the game goes, the game grows. As long as they're I agree. You know, not just and now they're not just coming in the gym and just jacking up half four shots for you know thirty minutes. Like, all right, I'm done for today. Like, at least do like some actual fundamental work. But that's a whole other whole yeah. Conversation. You got to work your way out to the logo. You can't yeah. start your practice <laughs> taking a hundred shots at the logo. But yeah, you should also. I mean, once you're at a certain level, it makes sense to learn how to shoot from the logo if you're a certain Absolutely. kind of player. Absolutely. I mean, it's not what I do. I come in the gym and I work from half court in. So I'm shooting the logo and then I'll go in and work on mid range and then I'll go in and work on post moves. That's what, that's what I Well, if you're a certain kind of player, you should not be at the logo. <laughs> you know, there, there's a bunch of different positions on a basketball court and uh, there you, you got to play accordingly. Um, but so I mentioned LeBron, let's do a rapid fire real quick through some of the biggest stories um, just of news, and then we'll go to the West. But let's start with LeBron. There's a there's a leaked story about, and there's also like personalities weighing in on the prospect of the Lakers trading LeBron. Do you, do you want to weigh in on that, Kia? Wait, what, for real? I mean, yeah, there's like, they want to trade him. There's like Stephen A. Smith. Team. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, if he gets traded, I'm with, I'm a fan of whatever team he goes to. So uh, you know how that goes. 
they're they're not going to trade him. It's the silliest thing, and it would make he, no sense. I mean, yeah, they would. I don't know. He's one of. He's not. Okay, he's still, he's not the best player in the league anymore, but he's still a great player. He attracts a lot of attention. Any team would want to have him just because money in general. Like he's going to cost a lot, but he's going to bring in so much money. So I could see why um, teams would want him, but I don't think the Lakers would ever let him go. I think they would get rid of everyone else first, and then him. How I mean, he's right there amongst the best players in the league. If he's not the best player, like what do you? Where would you put him? Like fifth or fourth? I mean, like, he's, he's right there, top five. Yeah, he's top five for sure. Like he's still an amazing athlete, but like you said, the players are getting better. I don't know. I don't want to say he's old because he's still doing everything at thirty-seven, and he's incredible and in incredible shape. But at the end of the day. You know, he's not the LeBron that we saw, you know, eight years ago, who was just a maniac. Um, I mean, he still is really, really good. But I just don't think that he's – I want to put him at, like, by far the best in the league. No. But he's still up there, but just not the best. To me, the other thing about him is that he has this pull to be able to bring players in. Like, you saw with Ray Allen in Miami. I mean, guys want to play with him, and guys are going to continue to want to play with him. Um, mm-hmm. here's what I think that they're going to do. I want to be the first one to get this, this theory out there. Um, so when oh it happens <laughs> in two years, I'm going to look like genius. So this year, I think they're going to try to just bring a lot of young players. Like, you know how last year they went old with like Trevor mm-hmm. Reza and Mello. I think this year they're going to just have a bunch of young players and just try to a figure out young guys who can just be competent around LeBron and B, try to grow the narrative of one of your, their young guys to be like, this guy's amazing, so that they can flip him for Dame Lillard. I think this year they're just trying to be a playoff team, but they want to take one of the – they tried to do this with Taylor Horton Tucker, and he just never put in the body of work where it could have happened. But they're going to try to find a diamond in the rough guy, flip him for Dame Lillard, and I think two years – is going to be the LeBron last hurrah year where they try to compete for a championship. And I think that team will have, I think, by the way, I don't think Russ is going anywhere. I think their core moving forward is going to be Russ, Dame, AD, LeBron. Then Bronny's coming off the bench in some capacity on the team in two years from now. And I also think they bring back Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love, after his contract expires with Cleveland, he goes to the Lakers and that's, that's the squad. It's like, I don't know how good – I mean, how good that team will be will depend on how well those older guys stay at their peak level. Mm-hmm. But I think – I mean, I think Space Jam 2 was the – was like the foreshadowing of this. And also, <laughs> LeBron knows exactly what he wants, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like the NBA needs LeBron so badly. Like, even if he's not the absolute face of the NBA, he's still one of the – cash cows of the NBA. Jersey sold, eyeballs Absolutely. viewed, all that. Just like how when the NBA didn't let the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade happen, Kobe was like, well, you got to get me somebody. And the NBA was like, okay, here's Paul Gasol. Like, just like that vibe, LeBron's going to be uh-huh. like, okay, I'm going to need Dame. I'm going to need Kevin Love. NBA, make it happen or I'll just retire. And they'll be like, okay, here's your squad. Now go compete against a Memphis team that could all be your children. 
Uh, I will say, wow, you definitely put some thought into that. Uh, I'll be very surprised if that is true in two years. If I see this happening step by step, I'll be very impressed. But I, the one thing that really caught me off guard is Russ staying. You think they're yes. him? So I think that the only thing I could, the only scenario I could see them trading Russ is like, if the Pacers are like, we want to bottom out and we'll trade Russ for either Brogdon or for Buddy Heald or something. But if you go through the teams in the league, there's not that many teams where Russ makes any sense. And the idea of Russ being on the Lakers in the first place was like, Russ is going to make sure that we get wins in the regular season so we can rest LeBron a little bit because a core of Russ and AD is a playoff team. Like, if your two best players are Russ and AD, like those are very complimentary players and can actually like you can make the playoffs or at least be at the top of the play in. And then LeBron can rest a little during the regular season. Cause I also think LeBron's kind of like, it's kind of like with Tom Brady where it's like, it's not even how many years they have left. It's how many games they have left. So mm-hmm. like LeBron's in such good shape that, you're really just you're you're tr- you want to minimize games so you minimize risk of injury but if he's out there he's going to be a top 10 player around the league i mean he's too big and too skilled even if he lost his speed completely i mean if he loses his speed completely he's like paul pierce or magic johnson in paul pierce's body like he's just <laughs> too big and too skilled and then yeah. He's not going to lose his speed too because he's already he, he was in the gym this morning. Like he's in Los Angeles. We're recording at noon Eastern time and LeBron put up a selfie. He was in the gym this morning. No days off, you know. <laughs> I he's mean, just yeah. trying to get I, out of I babysitting. <laughs> Probably no. Um I mean, that's his life. It's all he's known since he was I don't know how I don't even know when he started playing basketball, so and it sucks like when you lose and you're not in the In playoffs. utero? I think he was he's the first person to start playing basketball in the womb. He probably was. He had a little ball in there dribbling around. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be interested to see how that works. I hope that Russ stays. Um just because him and AD never really got a chance to play together. I mean, the whole Lakers team this year never really amounted to what they were supposed to be due to a lot of reasons as we already discussed in previous episodes. But I'm hoping that he stays. I just don't know if it will happen. Like one, I don't think I don't even know if he still wants to be there. I feel like he had a terrible time. Um, so maybe he will try to force his way out if they're not willing to trade him. He did. I mean, he had a terrible time for sure. But on the flip side of that, I mean, where is he going to have a more legacy enhancing time? Like really just Cleveland is the only place. And what's Cleveland going to trade for him? Yeah, that's a, it's a lot. I don't know. I feel like anyone would try to take a chance on him. They'll just chalk up last year to like, oh, you know. No, but like if Cleveland trades something of value for him, then Cleveland has nothing. Like if Cleveland trades Darius Garland or Jared Allen, they're not going to trade Evan Mobley. So it's like if they trade either of those stars, is LeBron better off on a team with him, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley and no Jared Allen? Like – the Cleveland would have to give up so much talent to get LeBron that they would be a worse destination for the Lakers by the time he got there. Yeah, that would be, mm, yeah. Also, it would hurt the Lakers brand to trade LeBron. Like 
Well, you can't you can't cut bait on LeBron. It hurts. Like the Clippers are not bad. If the Clippers are really good next year, and the Lakers just traded LeBron, I mean, the the last thing that the the Lakers want is to be in like a Nets Knicks situation where there's oh a real God. debate over who the cool team is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, LeBron's <laughs> not going anywhere. I was talking about uh, Russ. I just oh yeah, like, yeah. So I don't know. I can yeah, see I like them trading that. Russ for for a pacer, even Miles Turner. Like if they could get one of those three pacers, I could see it. But other than that, I just don't think they'll get an offer that they'll like. Yeah, probably not. So I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, interesting free agency for sure. I mean, I think it always is every year. It's always like, oh, this free agency has been so crazy. But I feel like it's like that every year. <laughs> like every this one year. is gonna be. I mean, this one will be the craziest one where nothing happens. Nothing's going to happen, but there's going to be so much yelling on the TV about, but what if, but yeah, yeah, nothing will happen. Nets aren't going to trade Ben Simmons. Now that he had the surgery, like initially I've, I kind of felt the same way, like that the Nets should look at trading Ben Simmons for either a group of Pacers or a group of players on the magic. Like, you know, Bamba and some other guys like Bamba, Markel Fultz. Like that was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this makes sense. I know that KD's like a Markel Fultz believer, um, but it's going to be the same thing. The Nets aren't going to trade anybody. The Lakers aren't going to trade anybody. And a whole bunch of old men are going to like spit on the camera while yelling about right. how something has to happen. That sounds about right. A whole bunch of what ifs to think about <laughs> and then not happen. <laughs> So another L.A. story. The crazy thing is this LeBron story is second biggest story in L.A. right now. Uh, The biggest story is that people are leaking that the Kardashian sex tape was planned. Do you do you want to weigh in on this? How does this affect does this affect anything for you? Knowing that like like Santa Claus, this uh, this could be like a complete fabrication. Oh, I am not surprised. This has nothing, this does not affect my life in any way, <laughs> shape, or form at all. Um, but I'm not surprised. I saw Ray J put out a little post saying that it was all orchestrated, everything was planned, we've been lied to, or like the world has been lied to, da 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 I mean, if it really was planned, it's a great business deal. It's a great, it worked in the Kardashian, Jenner little family. It worked out great for them. Yeah. If that was the case, that's amazing. Great, great, good for them. Really happy they could make something out of that. If he's lying, I just don't see the point. I don't even understand why it's even coming out now. Like, I don't think anyone really cares. Like, the Kardashians <laughs> are rich. Ray J's rich. Everybody got money. It has nothing to do with anybody else in their in our everyday lives. Like, I don't know anyone who is going back and still watching that tape. I guess I never really asked people about yeah, you, it as well. But that right now that tape is accruing millions of views, but I'm sure no, I mean, yes, I, I agree with you. It doesn't surprise me at all. I knew it was planned. The audio's too good. Of course it was planned. Um the thing that was crazy to me was they said that it has currently made a hundred million dollars. I don't fully understand how they monetized it. Like I understand how it launched Kim and Ray J to a lesser extent to like more a higher level of fame. I don't know how it was monetized, but it's made a hundred million dollars for them. So it's probably made 
500 million dollars for everybody involved in it um the it's, reason it got be a lot. the reason all the leaks happened now is because kim went on her show and said that she was gonna burn the person who was holding it over her head with it to the ground like she brought it back up and that person was ray j's manager or ex-manager was like uh, okay. involved in the business side of it too so he's probably on a 200 million dollar yacht somewhere if he's like the person who has who's a majority owner yeah apparently it's as valuable as the clippers the kardashian sex day but uh yeah uh, it's kind of not important but it's kind to me it's kind of like there should be a moment like when when people caught tiger woods cheating it's the same thing to me where it's like people need to understand that 99 percent of this stuff is scripted it is a decision it's not an accident and just consume all of it like with that idea in mind like a lot of this stuff is smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. i mean i believe it everything we see in the media especially from you know celebrities or uh big influencers it's what they want us to see like we'll never know the full story it's all scripted we're just <laughs> Cons in a scheme, and we're just gonna eat up, eat it all up, and just try to believe everything just because it makes it easier. But they, the Kardashians, I have no, I don't have any hatred for them. I don't have any love for them. They're just people. Yeah. Yeah. So it really I, has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I look at them like they were the logical progression of an industry that is still moving forward. In terms of the reality TV industry, like, I, rem I mean, I don't know who started it. I guess like the real world, MTV, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Celebrities coming out of that world was always going to be the logical progression, like Kardashians. Now you have like the Paul brothers and that stuff. They're the logical progression. And and stuff like Mr. Beast, that's like reality TV done in ways that I never really fathomed, like money giveaways, that kind of thing. And I mean, I love hip hop and hip hop stole a lot from reality TV culture, from WWE, which is like the predecessor of reality TV. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm same as you. I don't I don't hate the Kardashians. I don't love them. But I do think it's interesting the way that they can affect culture in huge ways. Oh man, it's kind of annoying, really, about how they're so I don't want to say it's annoying how influential they are. I just find it kind of annoying that they any one of the family they breathe and then it's like front page news. I'm like, okay. Like, it is crazy like <laughs> they and they do things that you used to have to have world-class credentials to do like michael jordan owns sneakers like if you want your feet to be high status you have to put them in his shoe to be at mm -hmm. the highest status and kim did the same thing with skims and kendall did the same things with i think lip gloss or something where it's like Mm -hmm. They don't have, like, Michael Jordan had to be the greatest basketball player of all time, win six championships for him to own your feet. And Kendall owns your lips because she's related to the person who owns your midsection. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, I don't know. It is what it is. Like I said, they got all this money and I don't, so who am I to say anything? <laughs> no, they're doing a lot right, for sure. Um, and then, you know, there's some stuff they do that's like, whatever, but... That's true for basically anybody famous and known. Um, okay, so speaking of us all being pawns in a scheme, that's gonna we're gonna touch on we're gonna talk about this last story and then we'll go to the West because this last story, huge bummer. 
uh, we talked, we alluded at it earlier. Uh, Supreme Court might overturn Roe versus Wade, uh, and it's a, it's crazy because it might be like smoke and mirrors. It might be like a pump fake where we they leaked that they might do, that they're going to do it, and now there's people that are like they're doing it, but there's also people saying it might not happen. Um, so let's talk about the damage first if it happens, and then we'll talk about the damage of if it was just a pump fake. So. Yeah, in in your from your perspective, uh, why is this so terrible? This is awful. First of all, why are old white men sitting around in a room telling women what they can do, like with their own bodies? And I get it. If you want to be pro-life, I feel like that's a bad way to phrase it because they're not really pro-life. They're just pro-birth because then after the baby's mm -hmm. born, then what? They're not. If somebody, you know, God forbid, was raped and gets pregnant or they just can't afford a kid but then they are forced to have this child then what like is the government going to help them take care of it are they are these people that are saying oh no every life matters are they the ones adopting kids like it makes no sense to me and me and me and Satu actually were having this conversation the other night because she's super into you know activism and policies and all that stuff so of course she gets all like starts talking about it 10 miles in one direction but um like she was making really good points. It just doesn't make sense because somebody has a kid and then what? It's like, okay, yes, no abortion. And now you got a kid. And so now what? Like nobody's helping them. They're just putting them in a terrible situation. And then the other part that really makes me irritated is like, what if something is wrong with the pregnancy or that if the mom's not going to survive or the baby may or may not survive, but you have to make a choice. Like that's just, I just don't think there should be laws that have to deal with that. Like everyone can make their own decisions about what they want to do with their bodies. There's no law that will ever be passed that's going to make a man have to do something with his body. So why is it that way with women? Of course, men can't give birth, so I, that part is different. But there's no there's no law that would ever be passed that's going to make a man like, oh, you have to get an me, And then when you decide you're ready for kids, then you can have a reverse. But before that, you have to. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to do that. Like it just, It's stupid. I just don't get why people are so adamant about it like this is my body let me do what i want with my body i 100 i mean i 100 agree with you everything you said um i think that yeah exactly what you said where it's it's ridiculous to be pro-life for a fetus and then not care not be invested in making sure that that born baby has a good childhood so to me if you're pro-life and you're anti-socialism like your big thing is you hate socialism then I just, it's logically inconsistent. I can't respect that point of view because if you're truly pro-life, then you should, you should be wanting to ramp up socialist programs for children in perpetuity. Like let's make sure every kid gets this, this, and this. And that should be a growing thing where it's like, you know, now that computers are commonplace, every kid should have a computer. Now that the world gets smaller. Every kid should get the opportunity to travel internationally. Like if you're not supporting radical socialist pro uh, programs for impoverished kids, then I can't respect your pro-life stance at all. Um, at all. The other side of it is what if this is a pump fake? Meaning what if, and before I go there, it's like the reason why I think this is happening is because I think that politically um, conservatives especially, but Americans in general are so intent on winning politically that they leave 
other important stuff like they put other important stuff aside. I mean, we had to have, have this conversation last election when it's like Biden wasn't offering real solutions. He was just clearly better than Trump and also a win for the Democrats. And I think that mm -hmm. Republicans are pursuing this to win, not because it would be good for us on a federal level, because and this is the other reason why I can't respect any of this stuff is because I know for a fact that wealthy Republicans who want to get abortions for the women in their life are just going to fly them to the states where abortion stays legal. And this is only going to punish, only going to punish poor women who want abortions. No other group will be punished by this overturning at all. If this was going to affect all Americans, at least we could deal with that side of it. But it's only going to affect poor women. That's the only group that's going to be affected by this. Um, yeah, but let's let's deal with if this up. is just a pump fake. Because there's some people that are talking about this like, oh, this is just both sides are just using this as a tool for voter turnout in the elections. And it's like, that's crazy. Like, if that's where the level where we're at, where people are going to lie about the potential of overturning this just to try to get their side to vote more. I mean, it's like the building falling down across the street from me. Like, this is bad. Um, yeah, if that's what they got to do. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's just terrible. It makes me like sick to my stomach to even think about it. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll end up staying in Turkey forever. <laughs> the way America's going, this is so bad. Like, I don't know. I hope it's a pump fake. I mean, I don't know the reason. Like, if it's really for voter turnout, that doesn't really make it better. But I hope it's a pump fake. And they was just like, ah, oh, nah, never mind. We're just going to keep it where it's at. I think that the, uh, the only solution that I see for all of this mess is just way younger representation. Like, at least with the younger Republicans, they're either transparently reasonable or transparently crazy. Like, you got younger Republicans, like the eye patch guy, who are like, I do want to negotiate across the aisle. I'm, you know, I serve my country. But And then you got the guy in the wheelchair who, I don't know if you saw, but uh, he uh, he just had like a, his own sex tape come out produced by the same people as the, he had like a video of him naked. I don't know, it's crazy. But he's a, so you have the one. Trump guys <laughs> who are like, yeah, I mean, it's and it's really easy to tell who's who because basically with the younger representation, it's like, do they support Trump? Do they not? Um, and then with the younger Democrats, it's more like, do they have ideals? Like AOC clearly has ideals. Or is it like Pete Buttigieg where it's like they're nakedly careerist? It's really easy to tell. With the, but with the older ones, it's like you got somebody like Lindsey Graham that was anti-Trump, anti-Trump, pro-Trump. Like, And then even on the Democrat side, you got ones where it's like, it's just hard to tell what they stand for. Like with Elizabeth Warren, who people love, it's like, it's very tough to tell if she's a liberal or a centrist, all that. So I just hope people start voting for younger people, the, you know, 40 and younger, because I just have a lot more faith in them. We saw what Gen X and what boomers did with Congress. They basically just went on Fox News and went on CNN and yelled at people who they go to work with and could just talk to behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, this is a mess. <laughs> uh, I, I agree though we need younger representation also 
I don't know, the world is evolving. America as a country, it's evolving, it's constantly changing. So we should not think the same way we thought 80 years ago. So I don't think yeah. the same way my grandparents think. I'm sure that they still, they don't think the same way that their grandparents thought. Like we gotta get with the times. Like, come on, we can't be living like we're in the 1800s still, which it's like half America wants. No, it's kind of like with, uh, with Matt Damon and the crypto commercials. It's like, I don't want Matt Damon weighing in on crypto. I want Timothy Chalamet weighing in on crypto. Because if in 15 years, crypto is a bust, Matt Damon's going to be like, who cares? I'm not famous anymore. Like, Matt Damon's going to be <laughs> retired. He's going to be doing his own thing. I want Timothy Chalamet to have to be, like, giving his Oscar speech, like, thank you for the Oscar. I'm sorry about crypto. It was it was terrible. I never should have supported it. I Like, I would rather Chris Brown was the face of crypto then, oh my god <laughs> that's who i that's who i trust because i know chris brown is never going to stop playing stadiums so at least if he's the face of crypto it's like okay if crypto's a bust then people then his whole fan base isn't going to be able to fill up his stadium so he needs to be right about crypto tom brady's going to be got like is tom brady really going to be playing at 65 when we know if crypto's real or not i mean at this point he'll probably retire four times and come back live, so <laughs> It is point, yeah. why not? <laughs> He's gonna like clone himself in the younger Tom. People counted out the younger Tom. It's like young clone Tom Brady went first overall in the NFL draft. You can't claim the chip on your shoulder thing, clone Tom Brady. We knew you'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. I just uh, uh let's talk about the West. Yeah, let's go to the West. I don't want What's what's your favorite series between the two? It's now the the Mavs won last night. I thought that was going to be a sweep. So now I don't know I what did to too. think. Uh, but I still think Phoenix is going to win. Mm -hmm. But I am interested to see how the rest of this Warrior and Memphis series go. That's crazy. I'm, and people, I'm excited. People are sleeping on the impact Steven Adams brings to that team. Like people, the dumbest thing I've heard is like, and the, the Warriors are out rebounding the Grizzlies this series. They figured it out. They figured it out. And it's like, no, the, the rebounder has COVID. One of the best rebounders. And not just the best rebound, but one of the best box out guys in the league. Like when Russ was averaging 11 rebounds a game, four of them, like Steven Adams would box out four guys and then kick the ball with his shin over to Russ. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's going to be good. I'm excited. I do think, Golden, like I said, Golden State, I think is going to end up winning. But uh, it is exciting. And it's kind of what I was talking about before. Like you have the experienced team that knows, you know, what to do and how to win versus a young team that's hungry and has a bunch of energy and is wild and is unpredictable. So I think it's it's fun. Who do you think scores more points for the rest of the series, Steph or Ja? Ja. For the rest of the series? For the rest of the series. Was, so we Taking out, out game one. Game? Yeah. Um, I'm going to still go with Ja. I like it. I mean, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to go with Ja. Steph saves it, though. Steph's kind of... Steph's kind of like playing chess when everyone else plays checkers, where it's like yeah. people... Steph's like the guy who waits till date three to be like, oh, by the way, I'm charming. Like the first two days I was just watching you. Now, by the way, I'm charming. Like Steph mm -hmm. will drop 50 in an, in an elimination game after having uh, just an okay series. So that's why I could feel like Ja could outscore him over these next two games, but then Steph just goes crazy in an elimination game. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. So it, I think it just depends on how the series goes. But I also feel like the Warriors, I want to say it's more even scoring, but Steph doesn't necessarily have to score, you know, 30-plus points a game. Of course he can, and it does help. But, you know, they have a lot of other options versus, like, the Grizzlies. I feel like John is trying to get 50 every game. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's his mentality. I got to get 50 for us to win. Like, I feel like that's what he was going on in his mind. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I feel like that's how he plays. Like I said, they're unpredictable. They're young. They just go. And yeah. I feel like in his mind, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get a bucket. I am a bucket, which he is. So yeah. that, and when I when I think of it like that, I feel like, yeah, maybe in the series, the rest of the series, he could outscore Steph, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Grizzlies are going to win because I do think the Warriors were going to take the series. I think the Grizzlies are going to win. I think that when Steven Adams comes back, the rebounding is going to be way like, just like during the regular season, the Grizzlies are going to have a huge rebounding advantage, not like a small discrepancy, but like 10 plus more rebounds a game. And then I also think that Desmond Bain was way concussed for game two. And it was crazy that they won that game. And I think that when this is the part that is going to get me in trouble with the world, but I think that when Desmond Bain is fully healthy, the Grizzlies have a better backcourt than the Warriors. They have, I think that they like with Clay at this stage of his career. I think that when Desmond Bain is fully healthy, that the Grizzlies have the best backcourt in the league. And I, the Suns make me more nervous about that statement than the Warriors do. Really? That's a bold statement. I mean, I can see where you're going if, when you're looking at Golden State and where they are now, but. I don't know if I'll give it to him just yet. And if we, big, you said if, like, or when he's back healthy again or, like, not concussed. But I'm going to say I starting backcourt, too, though, because I think when you include okay. Jordan Poole, I think that now we can talk about the Warriors having the best backcourt in the league. I still put the Grizzlies number two because I think their backups, like Tyus Jones and DeAnthony Meldon, are elite. Um, so including backups, I put Warriors one, Grizzlies two, Suns three. But starters, to me, it's – the Suns or the Grizzlies, and I'm going Grizzlies, um, fully healthy starters. And that's because Chris Chris Paul, you know, went to the same preschool as Tom Brady. Like, he's, he's you know, old as fuck, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love for Chris Paul, if he does retire within the next three years, for him to run for something. Like, I would trust Chris Paul over anybody in Congress, in government. That's who I want representing me is Chris Paul. But for an NBA player, quite old. um, And the Grizzlies are just going to, you know, those two guys are going to be even better next year, which is crazy to say, in Bain and Ja, and even better the year after that. And I think they're already uh, the best starting backcourt in basketball. Um, Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I would say right now, (laughs) no. But when you're going to say Golden State? Yeah, in your defense, though, in a couple of years, um, I could definitely see that. But right now, I, I don't. Not not yet. So if the Grizzlies beat the Warriors in this series, then would you say it's the Grizzlies? I might take back my words. I might take back my words. I mean, it's like, but, for me, I'm not a big Jalen Brunson believer to go to the other series. But if the Mavs beat the Suns, it means they have a better backcourt than the Suns. Because that's where they're beating the Suns, and that's crazy. It's crazy with both these series. It's like strength on strength in every dynamic. Like the Warriors' third star is Draymond, and he's going against Jaron Jackson Jr., 
who literally like Draymond was one of his guys. Like they're both Michigan State guys. Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. Jr. was like, I can be Draymond with better shooting and better rim protection. Like that was the goal. So it's all strength on strength with it out west. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so okay, so if the Grizzlies beat the Warriors, you you would switch, you would flip flop, you join my team. Um, I want to like dive all the way, <laughs> but I would. Be would you would you splash if you were if you were to dive all the way in? Would it make a splash? Um, no, it would be. I would get a ten out of ten because it wouldn't make a splash. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. That would be tough, but I mean, time will tell. We got to see how the rest of this series go. So if the if the Warriors win, are you still saying that the Grizzlies have the best backcourt? If war, even if the Warriors win the series, yeah, I think I would just go because to me, for the Warriors to win, Jordan Poole has to be by far the best bench player on either mm-hmm. team. And to, and when I watch Grizzlies Warriors, um, I think that the the Grizzlies starting backcourt has outplayed the Warriors starting backcourt for most of it, especially if you factor in that Dylan Brooks was out and Desmond Bain was playing hurt. Like, mm-hmm. so if we go healthy Desmond Bain on top of what Ja has been doing, like if we're saying, I mean, Steph is the best player on the Warriors. I think that's still very true. I don't think anyone else is thinking there's another best player. So for Ja to be mm-hmm. this much, better than Steph in game two and then to be neck and neck in game one. Yeah. I, I think that the Warriors have been beating the Grizzlies at other places, but it hasn't been at that starting backcourt. And I think if they beat the Warrior, the Grizzlies, it'll be because they're, you know, doing out doing them with the coaching, with the adjustments, with their bench. And I think overall the Warriors probably have the best bench of basketball and that's, how I think they would be the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies have a top five bench. So it's a, it, again, it's like strength on strength. Yeah. I mean, that's valid. That's good for you, though, to stick by your point and not jump sides like I'd be doing. So like, I mean, I said the win. Timberwolves. <laughs> Remember, I said the Timberwolves would beat the Grizzlies. Uh, but I did say that I thought they were the second and third best teams in the West after the, after the Suns. Yeah. So, but at least you stick by what you say, whereas I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, sounds good, but if they lose, then I change my mind. So, you know, I don't have a backbone. <laughs> well, we both we both were, like, still picking the Lakers to make the playoffs when it was mathematically impossible. So we both will go down with the ship when our when our heart's tied to it. Absolutely, and I feel like that's fine. It's not a, not a big deal. That should be the lesson for people listening. So uh, if you love the podcast, then you understand. We, we both will reserve the right to flip-flop and also – go down with the ship when it makes no sense. Um, yep. And if you want to weigh exactly. in, look, if you want to, if you want to tell Kia how you feel about that, you can message her at kstokes41 on Instagram. I'm at Will Posnan. And uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Unapologetic. Thanks, guys. <laughs>